0: What does a financial advisor even do? How much does it cost? Why would you even consider them? And do you even need them? You know, it's just the middleman cutting the ticket. So before I can get into that, I just want to say I am a financial advisor, so you might think I'm being biased. I like to think I'm not, but you'll see. Give it time. So first question, what does a financial advisor even do? Well, before I can answer that, we've got to think about what type of advisors are there? So you've got insurance. You've got mortgage and you've got investment planning. So the insurance advisor, where they add value is, you know, there could be underwriters. So they could find policies that are more tailored and personalized to you that could be more cost effective and have a better success rate in terms of claiming and they also assess the different providers there across it a lot and then you got to think about how do they get paid what's their motive and are they giving good advice but really it just solves the problems convenience you could go to a comparison website look at what one's the cheapest which ones has the features that you want but there are important considerations like claim rate the underlying provider also having someone that understands your situation because you don't know what you don't know for example you're a business owner you might not think you need life insurance because you have no kids but what you can get is key personnel insurance where you're looking after the key people inside your business if you lose one of them you're a bit stuffed you might not have thought of that you might know that you might be knowledgeable might not need someone but that's what insurance providers do is they look at the big picture they compare the underlying providers and they had the potential to have some level of customization for the type of insurance second one mortgages do you need a mortgage broker the challenge is most businesses they need someone to actually bring in business and they're willing to pay a fee to make sure that person does that. And what a mortgage broker does is essentially they bring businesses to banks or non-bank lenders and they can look at the big picture thing. And I think a lot of people I come across, they have mortgages, they don't necessarily have the right type of mortgage. Which provider provides it for you isn't too important, but there are certain discounts and certain things you can capitalize on what a mortgage broker will help you think about. But really what they're doing is they're coming across a huge amount of approvals. They're looking at what's failing, what's working, how to get it over the line. And they're also seeing their clients going good and going bad so they can give an overarching view around mortgages. So it's just a specialist understanding and then also think about the right kind of product for you. Whereas the banks, their best interest is to make sure that you pay interest for as long as you can, whereas a mortgage broker is incentivized to get you to get a mortgage. But that's not to say they won't help you pick the right type of mortgage or the right type of provider that's going to deliver that mortgage. Now investment, mainly what they do, there are some ones that do brokerage and some that give class advice, which is kind of saying like, hey, um you're between 20 and 30 you're a male this is what people between 20 and 30 that are males usually do with their investment ah helpful that's not so much helpful but the investment side of things is the biggest problem they solve is either people worrying about their first home how the hell will i get a deposit maybe if i use KiwiSaver and manage funds to achieve that objective it will help but the most common narrative around investment planning is eventually your income will stop where will that money come from and that's what an investment advisor does. They might help with the rental property side of things. They might go down manage funds. They might use index funds. But the whole goal is they're trying to solve the problem of funding your income and in retirement. Now, there are 50 to 100 financial planners. It's still a financial advisor, but They just have a bit of a holistic approach. That's what we do. Essentially, you look at the insurance, the structure, the strategy. So structure might be estate planning, it might be wills, it might be the big picture of like, hey, should you structure your business in this way? I actually know you could be in a bad position. Have you thought about this? So it's just someone that looks at the big picture, pulls together a plan and solves those issues. But for the most part, what investment advisors will do is make recommendations on how to fund your income in retirement. Now that's question one. What do they do? Question two is how in the hell do they get paid? Well, insurance providers, they get paid by the provider. So you always gotta look. When you get a disclosure statement, they're required for you to see that. You'll see how they're paid. So if they make a recommendation where they're getting paid more than they might for a different recommendation, then you gotta ask the question, are they recommending it because it's fit for purpose or they're recommending it because they make more money? Usually not, but if you understand the disclosure statements, how they're getting paid, you can ask the question saying, hey, what led you to make that recommendation? So for the most part, insurance, advisors, there's no cost. The cost comes in the form of the commission that they get from the provider and you always got to make sure that their motive is sound. Same thing with mortgage brokers. For the most part, mortgage brokers either make their money from banks or non-bank lenders. So they usually get either an upfront commission or they have some small trail along the way. But most of their business is derived from their ability to write new business. So you really need to look for the attributes of someone that's going to be there in the long run as the good value set to support you Same thing with insurance brokers, sure they make a bit of trail, but the biggest amount of money they get is from writing new business because the providers that they use are trying to incentivize that. Something to be mindful of. Now investment advisors, usually what they do is they either charge a consultancy fee, either that's a plan writing fee or to set up the investment it ranges between $250 and 4000 but a lot of the standard out there is actually they don't charge a fee and the fee that they charge is for ongoing. They charge usually about 1% tax deductible. So if you've got $1 million, it's $10,000 a year. If you've got $10,000, it's not much for the advisor. So usually what they got to do is they have some set level of qualification or criteria and usually target people that are older that can invest a larger amount. They make their money in the ongoing, which means it's harder for them to serve as young people unless they charge that one-off consultancy fee. Question three, is paying a financial advisor worth it? Sometimes no, sometimes yes. A lot of people have the perception that they can invest themselves. They can, but what they might make the mistake of is not understanding the underlying risk of the investment. There's a big thing at the moment, shares isn't hatched. They're investing in speculative investments like Tesla. They're putting all their money in individual companies or they're putting it in very volatile index funds that could go down by 50% and they're not necessarily ready for it. But if you go to an advisor without the knowledge of investing and why that recommendation is good or bad, then you could still go down a road that's not necessarily good for you. But usually advisors that make recommendations, if they go wrong, they don't have a license. So if they've been around a little while, then that gives you a bit of support. But the main thing is with insurance and mortgages, it's not costing you anything. They're thinking about things that are going to be worthwhile. You just got to make sure they're not recommending things just because they're making money from it. An investment advisor, well, you know, you might want to make the investments, but there's a lot of examples where people have made mistakes. So if you want to use a specialist that understands it and you understand it enough to make sure you're not gonna get ripped off or put in a bad position, then it's quite helpful. But there are people that can definitely do it themselves and there are people that think they can do it themselves but definitely can't. And there are some advisors that rank recommendations that aren't right for people. So still know enough to not get yourself in a position that's bad, but it is worthwhile talking to an advisor for the most part. Even if you don't have a whole lot of money, they can always say no, or they might get commission from the underlying provider so you don't have to worry about it. Now, final question. How do I choose a financial advisor in New Zealand? So funnily enough, I'm gonna make a recommendation that's not me. So you look for Financial Advice New Zealand. It has a list of all the different advisors. You also have a financial service provider. So if you go FSPR, type it in Google, then search an individual's name or a company, you can see what they're able to give advice on. You can see what their potential conflicts of interest might be. And you can see if they're qualified to give the advice that they give. But if you go to Financial Advice New Zealand, you have a look at it and you're like, hmm, which kind of advisor do I need? Well, they have different categories if you're trying to transfer your UK pension over transfer your Australian super, if you're trying to invest in KiwiSav, retirement planning, insurance, mortgages, it's all on there. But one thing that will differentiate between the others, and it's a qualification I do not have yet, not sure if I will get it because I hate school, but I love learning, it's called the Certified Financial Planner. There's a higher level of criteria to achieve that, there's a higher ongoing training requirement to make sure that you maintain it, and it's an international standard. So if you look for the word CFP, it's usually like a little blue logo that will go underneath the advisor's name that will suggest that hey that advisor has a good understanding could look at the holistic approach and is pretty qualified but once again make sure knowledge is power don't give the power to someone else but if you understand it a specialist can do a lot more for you there's no point putting like a square peg in a round hole when you have a really good talent why don't you outsource the things you don't want to learn you are not necessarily good at